Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, this is Allison Laddermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Today we're having a little fun with science, but before we get there, let's, let's talk about weight. Okay, let's, let's do it. Okay, you're looking at me with your eyeballs. Yes. How much do you think an eyeball weighs? Left or right? Uh, right. Right. Um, Either, actually. I don't know, uh, eight grams? Yeah, ballpark. Yeah. For an adult eyeball. Uh, what about the weight of your skin for, I don't know, let's say it's a hypothetical man or a woman. Like all of it, all yeah. the skin. Yeah, um, a pile of skin on a scale. How much would you think it might weigh? Oh, uh, 10 pounds? Yeah, actually, it's 9 pounds. Oh. I thought that was surprisingly heavy. How much for the weight of the soul? The weight of the soul. Well, a lot of people would say that the soul well, either doesn't exist or is something that's so intangible. Can't be weighed. That it can't be weighed. But that doesn't stop people from trying. And that's what we love about science. Right. Taking uh, scientific principles, taking physics, taking uh, our understanding of uh, electricity, etc., and trying to figure out what the soul is and where it comes from. So that's what we're talking about today, weighing the soul. Let's talk about one of the early soul wearers, this guy by the name of Duncan McDougall. Yes, he's really the the grandfather of, of soul weighing. Like this is the guy this is where we get the whole twenty one grams thing, correct? Yes, yes it is. The Hollywood movie. It's he, Benicio del Toro, Sean Penn, and Naomi Watts. Yeah, McDougall uh, wrote that. No, no, he didn't. <gasps> no. But uh but he did weigh a bunch of uh terminally ill people. Yeah, back around the night early nineteen hundreds. He went to um, sort of a hospice place for people with late-stage TB. I think back then they called it consumption. Mm-hmm. And what he proposed doing was uh, getting a couple of dying people or getting one dying person at a time in their kind of last throes of death and um, putting them on this scale, uh, caught and all, so that all of their body mass and assorted medical trappings would be on the scale, and then um, ascertaining the time of death by placing his death stethoscope and listening to the heartbeat like so when the heart stopped beating that's when the person died according right. to McDougall. Yeah, it's basically like And weighing them. Yeah, it's like the the analogy we were using earlier was that it, it's kind of like if you uh set out in the morning with your wallet in your back pocket and you weighed x amount. And then an hour later, if someone were to steal your wallet, you would uh weigh slightly less and you'd be able to determine how much the wallet weighed based on the difference. Sure. Yeah. So basically uh that's what McDougall is trying to do. But in you know instead of say going to a, a place where wallets are frequently stolen, he's going to a place where he's pretty much guaranteed there are going to be some human deaths. And uh, the consumption uh, patients tended to not put up a struggle; they tended to be very still uh, during the uh, the final moments, and uh, and made for particularly good uh, test subjects. Yeah, it's not like they were having like these crazy death spasms or anything like right. that. I think they were pretty much comatose near the end. And yet, um, he basically only got the 21 grams from one particular uh, patient, right? I mean, these um, it's not like each one just was like clockwork. Oh, 21 grams, 21 grams. No, he had, he had one uh, patient where he was able to determine like this, uh, uh, this, this particular uh, weight loss. Um, others, he either wasn't able to nail down exactly when the patient died or there was some sort of interference in the uh, proceedings. Yeah, so we're talking about... Uh 
an experiment that consisted of six subjects with one result that people have picked up on. Um, and then you have complications, like as Robert said, like determining the time of death. And then other people were thinking that maybe it was this thing called insensible weight loss. Basically, like, you know, where the patient's, you know, sweating it out, or maybe they were losing this, um, very minute, uh, mass uh, through breathing or stuff like that. Right. And th- these scales, these Fairbank scales were not designed for weighing dead people at the moment of death. So there, there are any number of other complications that it could occur with, uh, like how the person is positioned on the scales, is part of the cot hanging off the side. Um, and, and then, you know, even like small uh, amounts of movement on their part. There, you know, a, a number of factors. I think McDougall even got this published though in a legitimate uh, peer-reviewed journal. Yeah, early uh, early 20th century, you saw a lot of paranormal research showing up in you know legitimate scientific publications. And the whole thing is a lot of this is new science, you know, and and pe- people were very excited about it. So they're you know basically applying it to everything, you know. It's uh, I have to admit I was curious about it. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. It's definitely operating on the fringe of science, if you want to call it that. But mm-hmm. it's it's pretty darn interesting. So McDougall got started with uh, with humans, but then he he just got that one subject, and there was all sorts of bureaucratic red tra- red tape. But animals, a lot easier. Yeah, dogs in particular. Dog after dog after dog. And wh- he didn't find much with dogs, actually, did he? Yes, there was no discernible weight loss, um, which leads to one of two possibilities. Either one, um, dogs have no souls, or two, um, it's so you know such a small soul that you can't even measure it. Or I guess three, all of this is kind of BS. <laughs> so then along comes, uh, I mean, people people were fascinated with this, and McDougall wasn't the only guy. So um, there was a high school physics teacher who took up the ball where uh, McDougall kind of ceased to... Yeah, a man by the name of Twining... Uh, stepped in and uh, continued this research with mice uh, because uh, even though there's some pretty small breeds of dog, uh, it's a lot easier to say stuff a live mouse in a test tube and then seal it off and let it suffocate and then see if there's any change in weight. You say that, but I can't imagine there's anything easy about that. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure animal rights advocates would not be so happy with the idea of this. But this is what this guy was doing in his spare time. He was trying to figure out what the the weight of a mouse's soul was. Well, you gotta respect him for trying. I mean, it's, it's not the easiest well, question to answer. Yeah, it is, but like, we were talking about this earlier, it's not, uh, I mean, it's very hard to argue that this is important research, you know. It, it doesn't have a lot of applications in, in, uh, in right, because what, what are you gonna do with the yeah, weight you of your soul? You can't save, save a life with it. You, you know, are you gonna, you know, what, have like a minimum soul requirement for the, for the local country club? I mean, it's kind of pointless. Then along comes this guy named Donald Carpenter. So um, he's a self-published author and expert in all sorts of fields, none of which I think are uh, officially recognized by degrees. Yes. Um, but <laughs> Carpenter had a really neat spin on it. So instead of um, weighing when the soul leaves the body, he wanted to measure when the soul enters the body. And what would be good candidates for, for such an experiment? Pregnant uh, ladies. Pregnant ladies, yes. Or technically like spirit mediums. But that's a whole other that's a whole other area of paranormal research. So Carpenter thought, well, you know, I'll get a bunch of newly pregnant ladies and I'll wait for um, a couple days. I think it's like 43 days when mm-hmm. the when you can first detect brainwaves in the fetus. Mm-hmm. And he thought, you know, on that day, that's when, um, you know, the soul will gain weight. These pregnant ladies will show this, this new soul weight, if you will. He also... Um decided to get into the whole dog soul business by um, predicting that a, a dog soul lays, weighs less than 1.8 grams. 
meaning that it's just too light for measurement. Um, yeah, he said all of you guys who've gone gone about you know weighing animal souls have gone about it wrong, and here's what you know you just weren't using the right scales. Right, and uh, he but then he even goes so far as to say Jesus's soul would would weigh uh, 364 grams. Uh, he starts talking about leprechauns. Um, uh, the the author Mary Roach goes into this in her book Spook um, in more fantastic and hilarious detail. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Carpenter was uh, kind of a nut. Kind of an honor. Yeah. Uh, his book uh, is still available, 1998, weigh- Physically Weighing the Soul. I would like to read it. I have to confess. Yeah, I might have to check it, check it out. And then along, outside of the realm of nutters, comes this guy from Duke University, a guy by the name of um, Gerald Nahum. Yeah, or uh, Jerry Nahum. Uh, this, this is a man with an MD from Stanford. Uh, undergraduate, came from Yale. Um, he was with Duke University, and now he's with the FDA. And... Um, and this guy took like a very high tech approach to the whole situation. Right. He wasn't just looking at it and saying, "Well, I'll put you on a scale and see what the weight loss or weight right. difference is." Well, I mean, he's still talking about putting people on a scale, right. but so he's talking about like an ultra sensitive scale and, and one that's you know completely sealed off and then surrounded by basically every kind of sensor you could imagine, uh, especially uh, electromagnetic energy detectors to gauge radiant energy. Uh, so we're talking about like. You know, if the, if the soul were, you know, were to leave the, you know, body in waves, et cetera, they could, he could somehow possibly, um, detect this detect energy. It. And if he was able to detect something leaving the box or emanating from it, then there'd be a change in weight. Right. right? And, uh, I mean, energy, this would be due to energy loss on a very minute scale. All right. Uh, this all basically breaks down to the idea that the soul, you know, as, and he doesn't even talk, uh, Nahum doesn't even talk in terms of the soul, really. Um, basically, he's talking about consciousness, and then consciousness as information, all right? And at least quantumly, information has a slight weight. It's energy. Right. So, like, a thought you're having has uh, has energy, and right. thus the soul has energy. But how exactly we quantify that is... Well, it, it's also going with the idea that energy can neither be created nor destroyed, Right? So it's First got, law yeah, it's got to go somewhere, you know. If the if the cat's not in the house, he must have gone outside. It must be in the yard. It's it's that kind of thing, you know. So um, so yeah. To, so for to Nahum, it, it seemed uh, pretty obvious the so, the the soul consciousness, whatever this energy is going somewhere, and he proposed an idea on how to observe it and uh, and see what it is. Of course, he didn't exactly get funding for it because it. Would, but I believe the cost was like. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, um, plus the fact that I think uh, not too many people were well versed in stuff like you know souls or quantum physics or biology. Yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated stuff. Um, and, uh, and and but but he, he tried. He tried to get some some funding behind it. In fact, he went to the Vatican. Uh, and this. Oh right. Yes, and this is a this is a um, also told in Mary Roach's spook. Um, an excellent story from her interview with Nahum. Uh, he went to went to uh, the Vatican uh, to see if they were interested in this kind of thing. Vatican, you know, they were just like, ah, eh, and they passed on it because basically, there's there's no percentage in it for 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 the church. You know, it's like either you back up what uh, back up something that is an article of faith with everybody that everyone just believes in, right. or you like disprove it with science. So there's no there's no positive. Uh, spin on it for him. So that so he goes home, you know. They sent him packing. Yeah, sent him packing. But then they end up calling him back for a second interview. 
Uh, and this time he goes in and they have Vatican scientists there. They have, we're talking guys with backgrounds in astrophysics and, uh, um, and, you know, in quantum mechanics and, and all this. And, uh, and this time they're not just saying they're not interested. They're pleading with him not to, uh, conduct any of this research. Uh, right. They figured he'd open this window into the world. Although, I mean, if these souls are departing, presumably there is a window that's opening all the time when people are dying. Yeah. So they're like the basic idea. I think the, the exact quote was open a window uh, that might not be closed after opening, which you could sort of take to being like, you know, the idea of like uh, uh, a notion being introduced that can't be completely dispelled. But uh, Roach really uh, stresses the idea that it might be more than that. This idea that it would be like a, you know, in a very science fiction-y uh, or horror terms, like a portal into another world, another, you know, Gozer and all that, you know, just crazy monster gods, window into hell, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, you know, the imagination just runs wild. And uh, so the Vatican was a little, eh, maybe you shouldn't do this. And then they, and they also tried to get him to convert to Catholicism. Oh, I didn't know that part. So he went home and got a job with the FDA. So that was kind of the, those are the modern day folks who've been interested in soloing, but also the ancient Egyptians. I mean, this has been a question that's been eating at us for centuries. Yeah, thousands of years. Um, you've, uh, you, you've been to the museums. You've seen hieroglyphics, right? I have. Um, well, there's, um, there's a uh, one portion in the Egyptian Book of the Dead that shows, uh, the ibis headed Thoth and he's, um, weighing like the human heart, the human soul. You know everything that we are against uh, a feather, and that's um, how how he judges whether uh, one is fit to enter the afterlife. So, if you want to know more about anything from ghosts to quantum suicide to reincarnation, skip on over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.